What's going on, guys? Welcome to Industry 4.0. This is episode 5, and um, we're going to do things a little bit differently this episode, um, cover a little bit kind of about ourselves, just so we can kind of give you guys a better idea on like why we're invested in the podcast and what we're doing as a hobby and just kind of what's going on in our lives. And then coming in the second half, a little bit later, we're going to talk about the WWDC Apple Conference, uh, cover some stuff about the new the new Siri enhancements, the new Home Hub, and going a little bit more in-depth with the improvements to macOS and iOS. So, to kick off the episode, um, I can just go into a little bit about myself, since I'm already talking. And, uh, <laughs> and basically, um, what we had this idea for a podcast. We wanted to do a tech podcast, and um, my role in it was I listen to tech almost religiously. I listen to tech podcasts, follow tech news articles, and um, I was talking with some of my coworkers who now happen to be in the show, and I was, I figured we could just take our conversations and stick them onto a recording and kind of publish it for other people to kind of participate and listen in on the conversations that we have. And um, the way that uh, the way that we contribute to the show, everybody ha comes from different areas, and um, last time I checked, I think all of us have under a thousand Twitter followers, so we're not like any kind of real big names in, in the organization, but um, I am a, I have a bachelor's in computer science, so naturally I fall into the programming aspect, and I'm real into the, the real low-level tech behind all these new releases excuse me, all the AI, machine learning, everything that's going on in that, and um, everything down to, like, the OS level with Android and iOS. Um, I'm not really working on anything big as it is. I've got my own website up. Um, you can check out that website if you want at mattpslav.in. And um, I am located in, the, in Philadelphia, so I'm living the city life. Uh, Nothing too much else to talk about with myself. Um, I'm using a Nexus 6P, so I'm an Android faithful, pure Nexus Android operating system, and I'm not really, I haven't really taken a preference to OS. Um, I have a MacBook and a self-built Windows desktop, so I kind of go both ways. And I've even, on a couple of USB drives, I've got uh, a Linux, a couple of Linux distros ready to go. So, um, I can pass it off. Whoever else wants to take the baton and kind of talk a little bit about themselves. Sure. Hey, uh, I'm Jeff Budzinski. Um, I am a programmer at heart, and I graduated with a computer engineering degree. And similar to Matt, um, I have a passion for technology and advancements that we're making as a society. So, this podcast is a great place to... Um, discuss those things with some cool guys. I am also into playing and making music on an amateur basis. Uh, I contribute some stuff to this, uh, the show, like making our intro, break, and outro beats. And um, I'm based out of Trenton, New Jersey. I primarily am a Windows user, though I do dabble in OS X. And I also have some uh, serious experience with different Linux distributions. Currently an iPhone user, 
And uh, I think I'm probably going to be making a migration to Android in the near future. I also have a bullet here in these uh, notes I have on my screen as to why I love Slavin. Uh, I think it's his majestic <laughs> red hair for me. That's and, what they uh, all say. Yeah, I'm sure it's the common one, right? It's either that or the Kramer picture you have in your background, one or the other. But <laughs> I'll tell you a little secret. It's not even mine. Your, just, your hair? Did you get it? No, oh, no. My hair is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and pass it off. I'm just going to let that one hang. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, I'm going to jump in. Uh, hey, guys, uh, I'm Irvin. Um, I'm a nerd at heart, just like or I think that's the one thing that is in common for all of us. Uh, I like to keep up on the tech news, the latest stuff that's coming out. Um, and I know Matt and I were talking privately uh, about this stuff anyway. So... It was better for us to just record it, right, and then have these conversations and, and talk about the current tech and where it's going, and I really enjoy that uh, type of discussion. Um, yeah, I listen to it all the time and, and, and follow up on anything that's coming out. So I like to keep all top of stuff. I have a um, sort of not a computer science degree, and neither, or a computer engineering degree, it's kind of in between, uh, but uh, I'm uh, it's still geared towards uh, computer stuff, uh, computer um, management related, um, IT mainly focused, I guess you can say that, and a minor in security too, so I, I really love the security aspects of well, nowadays that all these security vulnerabilities are coming out with all these worms and and trojans and all these i love keeping up and and try to see what's uh going on figure out what's going on there uh yeah so i really have nothing else going on uh other than that uh i do a little photography on the side just for fun uh, you can check out my Instagram. My username is Irvin.Lucas. That's E-R-V-I-N dot L-U-K-A-C-S. If you want to check out my pictures on there. Um, I'm located in an undisclosed area within the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I have no OS preference <laughs> either way for for uh, computers, so I, I'm, I'm platform agnostic, as I like to call it, in terms of what I like to use. Uh, whatever tool gets the job done the best is what I'll use. So for uh, video editing, video, uh, photo editing, uh, those type of work, I'll use my Mac, um, and then gaming stuff and, and more hardcore processing, I'll use my Windows PC. As for phone, I always had a phone uh, that was Android. Um, I dabbled um, in a uh, iOS, mainly on the iPad side of things, but I like to keep up on what's uh, new on both sides of the fence because uh, I always have someone asking me, okay, what's the latest and greatest about whatever phone just came out? And I want to know just as much as they do. So I want to keep up. So I want to, I've always familiarized myself with both platforms. So I'm not just on the one side leaning to one side of the phone. 
So yeah, that's a little intro about me. I'll go ahead. Um, I am Kyle Fisher. Uh, I am the definition of a face for audio. Um, what what I like to do, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's hobbies. I'm a huge sports nerd. Uh, my whole life, I've been like, I guess you would call it a, a fringe nerd. Like I, I hung out with the nerdy kids, but also all the jocks also hung out with me. It was, I don't know, it was a weird mix. I played sports, but I got made fun of the sports kids anyway because I was still a nerd at heart. Um, so I'm on the fringe of everything. I, I'm, I enjoy tech. I'm not always up to date with everything. That's how I fell in with these guys right away. When I started, uh, we all work for the same company fell in with these guys. Cause I mean, one, they're a group of great guys, but also they just know way more than me about stuff that I'm interested in. So it's nice to be around guys who uh, have similar interests, but also have way more knowledge than you. So, <laughs> um, uh, I've always had a passion for entertaining on some level. Uh, I did a radio show my freshman year of college uh, when I was actually a math major, so uh, totally unrelated. When I transferred to a new school, I actually switched to communications, had a radio show, did some college television, did some college sports reporting. Um, I also have another podcast. You can check it out on iTunes if you'd like. It's uh, all about professional wrestling. It's called On Air with Keenan and Kyle. I've plugged it before on the podcast, so if you've listened before, you definitely heard me talk about it. Uh, sorry, I love myself, so please, uh, please listen to it. <laughs> um, live in Philly, like a couple of the other guys here. Uh, Slavin, uh, I, I mean, what is there not to love? From the glasses to the majestic voice to the hair <laughs> to the diehard Flyers fandom, what can you not love about Slavin? So. You said you got uh, a and, face for audio. I gotta, you got, you gotta get that beard on screen at some point, though. Sure, <laughs> I'll try. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> maybe the, maybe we'll, if we start this YouTube channel, we'll, we'll everybody will see the beard. But maybe uh, I, OS preference. Um, I, mean, I don't. I guess technically you would have to say that I, that I'm all Apple everything. Uh, I have an iPhone. Only smartphone I've ever had is an iPhone. Only laptop. Only computer I ever owned personally was a MacBook Pro. I uh, had Windows computers in my home, but for basic use, you know, uh, my parents got one for us where we could do reports and use the internet and stuff like that when I was younger. So it's just whatever your basic Dell model was at the time. And uh, but my main focus, it's a, it's an old MacBook Pro, but I, what we're gonna get into in the second half has got me excited about the future. Uh, I'm also not opposed to potentially switching. Me and Jeff talked about before. Uh, I may. Depending on what else comes for Apple, I may end up switching to Android, so we'll see. I'm comfortable with it. A lot of my friends have it. I've used it before, but uh, I mean, that's that's me in a nutshell. Let's see what kind of an Android pitch these guys can make over the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey everyone, I'll just do my intro real quick. Uh, my name is Wayne. Uh, many people call me by my middle name, which is Ryan. So you hear Wayne Ryan a lot, or Wayne or Ryan. What? <laughs> yeah, dual that. identity, right? <laughs> um. I was a film major at Temple University. I graduated um, from there. I went. I became a librarian for a few years, then a personal trainer, then IT help desk, and I've moved into the software realm recently. Uh, <laughs> that's how we met these guys. Um, why I want to be a part of the podcast is I feel like uh, technology these days is advancing at such a quick rate that I feel like um, most people need to be aware of it. It's taking our society to a new place very quickly, and you want to be able to know enough to help guide it in the process. And I feel like it's it's it helps to have education on it. And a lot of people don't know enough currently. Um, I contribute to the show by, I, I try to break things down, 
I put them in lamest terms, and I'm not gonna say I'm a genius or anything, but I like being able to explain it in in metaphors in a way. So you break down the concepts, it kind of determines on or it helps people determine their stance on things. So um, my, I'm also an amateur photographer in my spare time. Um, I have an Instagram page, Wayne Ryan Two One on Instagram. Um, I'm based out of Roxborough, Philadelphia. I love slaving. It's gotta be that smile. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> me over there every time, every time. Surprised <laughs> not in sales with that, you know. <laughs> but uh, my OS preference is got to be Android. I've been Android since college. Um, I did have an iMac back in 2007. Um, as a film major, they kind of forced you into it with Final Cut Pro. Um, since then, I've become more of a PC hobbyist in terms of gaming and just building hardware. I love messing around with computer hardware, building OS, build my own uh, gaming PCs, stuff like that. Um, so basically, I'm all Windows at this point, Windows and Android. So if I, think I could, that basically covers my intro. <laughs> if I could add one more thing to your contributions, your voice is almost pure silk, also. Heavenly. <laughs> it is. Seconded. It calms me down. <laughs> and um, uh, now that everybody kind of knows a little bit more about us, um, I kind of want to throw a question at the group and I'll, I can lead it off. Um, what was everybody's first smartphone? I know everybody probably had those, the flip phones and the slide phones, like the razors and the chocolates and the whatever AT&T, like part number those phones were. Um, but I started off in a different path. I said earlier that um, I have a Nexus and it's been kind of stock Android for me for a while, kind of similar to how Urban was, but my first phone actually was an iPhone 3GS. So... That was my start into the smartphone world. So I started off with an iPhone and then transitioned as uh, Samsung started to release more serious products and then just kind of never looked back from that point. But I'm curious as to just what everybody else's first true smartphone was. So you went with the Samsung. I went Samsung, then I went LG, then I stopped there at the G3, and then I transitioned to a OnePlus One. And from there, I got a Nexus 6P. Nice. Yeah. I um, I started out with a Motorola Droid X, actually. Um, I liked the idea of the big screen and, um, you know, the, the I think it had three buttons and that was it. They were small. Was and, back in the day. Yeah, it was huge. And that's what I liked about it. Um, I was coming from, you know, uh, I think it was an LG Chocolate 2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was excited because I'd see my friends with the Motorola Droid with the, you know, kick out keyboard. And I was like, ah, I don't think I want the kick out keyboard. I, I like the all touch kind of idea. So I went with it. Unfortunately, within, I think it was a year or so, um, it really went down the tubes for me. I had some hardware failures, um, unresponsive actions on the screen. I would get calls and kind of have to panic and somehow answer them. It was pretty troublesome for a while there. Um, and ultimately after that, I went to an iPhone four because I have some friends who are huge fans. Um, and it wound up being trusty, dusty, all reliable for me. Went to the five S next, and I'm currently using another monster tablet phone kind of deal. Uh, the iPhone six plus. So that's my track record. I, I got into the smartphone game late. Uh, I I started out, and my first iPhone was an iPhone 4S, 
and uh, the only reason I even got one. So like I, I know I said, you know, I'm supposed to be a tech guy on this tech podcast, but the only reason I got one is because my dad got an iPhone four before I got a smartphone, and I was like, I got, I can't let this guy beat me to smartphone. Like I can't let this dude have better technology <laughs> than me. So. He was asking me questions about it every single day, and I was like, how am I answering this? And I don't even have it. All right, cool. I have to get one. So I went out and got the iPhone 4S. Uh, I I am very – I'm interested in the most recent technology, but I don't necessarily need it. Uh, so I rode that 4S until it stopped working, and now I have a 5S, and I'm going to do the same thing with that sucker. Until it stops working, I will get – then I'll get a new one. Well, un- unless they really surprise me this fall because I have a little bit more money than I did the last few years. So. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, so, I don't know if I want to do the first smartphone. I would say the first smart device that sort of reflected a smartphone, but at the time I couldn't really afford a smart smartphone, was the iPod Touch. Very first iPod Touch was my my exposure to like a smart device that I had all me the whole time that I had access to the internet, played music, did all, played games, had apps, whatever that that sort of thing. So the iPod Touch back in high school, I think junior year or senior year, uh, might be an earlier, actually. Um, yeah, it was definitely earlier than that. Uh, I know I was like one of the first uh, kids to have an iPod Touch in school. Uh, and then my other friend was uh, the first one to have an iPhone in school, first iPhone in the entire school. So... Um, yeah, that was my first exposure to like a smart device. And then I had several phones that weren't smartphones after that. And my first smartphone actually was the, um, Nexus one. Uh, so that was the original, uh, Nexus device that Google made. Uh, love that phone, still have it. Uh, it's a little beat up, <laughs> but, uh, has sentimental value. So I will never get rid of it. Um, and then I've been using Android ever since. Like I said before, like I've used iPhones and iOS devices uh, from time to time, um, just as not as my main uh, device, but just as to become familiar with it and to like uh, know about it. Um, so, uh, but on the smartphone side, yeah, I've been using Android. Uh, I've had all almost all the Nexuses except for the next the galaxy s no nexus s nexus s and i skipped the nexus 4 uh but other than that i've had every nexus device uh that google has ever made (laughs) dedication yeah I think uh, my first two smart devices, you could say, um, one, my phone was the Droid X, just like uh, J-Buzz. <laughs> Good man. And, and I had I had the iPod Touch as well, the original. And I jailbreak that and try to get all the free stuff back in the day. <laughs> and then I went on the Android and I was like, hey, wait, I can just download these APKs for free. <laughs> no jailbreak required. But uh, the Droid X was painfully slow at some points. <laughs> so I, I used that to the, you know, the fullest of its contract. It, it, um, I upgraded to the samsung galaxy s3 and from there i love i liked the s3 a lot it was pretty big at the time um the camera was really what sold me um the camera on that was a lot better than any other phone in, on the market at, that i had seen at the time so i went with that um took that phone in the end of his contract upgraded to the galaxy s5 
Um, the S5 was a garbage phone, in my opinion. <laughs> At least my my model was pretty bad. It was very bad. Um, overheated a lot. It was really, really it slow. It is garbage. Lagged a lot. I also... Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, some people still have them as uh, work phones. Um, but uh, <laughs> so they're still circulating, but um, in my opinion, they're pretty bad. Um, but I did run that to the end of his contract, and I know I actually gave it to a friend, and it kept running. <laughs> yeah, it's still running. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give it reliability, but uh, in terms of processing, it's not very good. <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, uh, Slavin and Irvin convinced me to get the Nexus 6P. So been rolling with the 6P ever since. Um, and I did actually, in between the S3 and the S5, I lost my S3 in a cab, and I actually used my friend's base Nexus, the original Nexus, for a couple months, and that's when I really first started using the Nexus, fell in love with it, and you guys convinced me to get the 6P. I haven't looked back. <laughs> and uh, maybe the S5 sucked so badly enough that uh, our president stuck with the S4 or the S3, so he never <laughs> upgraded. Also, <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> In show edit, um, I said 5S, I have the 6S. That was my mistake. Sorry. Okay. I, I knew that, and as soon as I said 5S, I was like, well, that, yep, okay. We'll forgive you this time. <laughs> One um, man's 5 is another man's 6. That's right. 5 is the new 6. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um, we can talk a little bit more about ourselves if you guys want. We can jump a little bit into like a couple of topics that – uh, came around today. Um, one of that like, we could ask, like, what someone's, what your favorite, what games you guys playing now, or something like that. If you guys want to talk in about that a little bit, I know I see Jeff's getting excited there. No, I'm just a huge nerd. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, um, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in good company. Uh, like, I'll, I'll you know touch on some games I'm playing. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Ark Survival Evolved. Um, I know Irvin's dabbled for some hours with me. Yeah, you, uh, you convinced me to buy it. I'll definitely get more into it once I have some time. I think that's uh, your general I, summary for any games, Irvin. You've just dabbled into something <laughs> for a couple of hours and then dropped off. <laughs> Someday I'll play for a while. No, we played for a couple hours one night. That was good. Yeah, we did. I like I like dinosaurs. I'm I'm um you know one of those cool guys that likes to build big homes and bases and games. So I build giant castles to fend off against other people. Um, I also am an amateur Rocket League player. Uh, I play some other games with some friends, like uh, some GTA, for example. I just started messing around with Rust, which I'm not sure how to feel about. Uh, so that's that's pretty See. much where I'm at. Seems like we're mostly in line with what we play or have played because I'm, I'm well, avid Rocket League player and I, I, I know you are. <laughs> I love that. And also, I I can't not mention PUBG. Uh, I I haven't played for like a week or two, but uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That's that's a game that I've been binging on with some good friends in the recent past. Uh, so I've heard. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's gotten pretty intense. There's been some. Uh, High volume screams in my apartment when I lose. So, <laughs> as it should be, all about having a good time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just to continue off what you were saying, um, I I love Rocket League. That's like one of the only games I play anymore. Um, aside from that, I've dabbled a little bit in uh, like Grand Theft Auto, and I used to be a huge, huge, huge Elder Scrolls fan. Um, 
starting from Oblivion. I didn't start in Morrowind like a lot of people. Oh, you didn't play Morrowind. Oh, Morrowind. I, I actually <laughs> went back after playing Oblivion and played Morrowind. Yeah. And I, you could, it definitely didn't age too well, but I could definitely, it, it had me hooked for a good like for, 10, 15 hours. For its time, it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I can totally see that. that actually, just awesome. saw. Not to interrupt you too long, but I just saw this video recently of the history of Elder Scrolls games, and they just kind of went from one to another to another. It's amazing the progress they've made and yeah. just like what they've done yeah, for their think, time. It's great. I think the height of that series, and I may be a bit biased, was Oblivion. And at Skyrim was good, but it took away a lot of the things I liked, which was like the customizing of spells and stuff. But I could I could talk about that all day. Um, aside from that, it's um, it's Skyrim. Is another one. You're holding up a copy of Skyrim. Um, on top of that, I've played a lot of Minecraft too. I have a kind of a an on relationship with Minecraft, so I'll jump on that and play that for probably like weeks at a time, and then drop off for like two or three months, and then I'll pick it up again. So that's I play mostly the casual kind of games where you can either pick them up and play for a few minutes and put it down, or you can sit down and make an evening of it. Yeah. Uh, Matt uh, pretty much summed up my gaming. Uh, <laughs> I, well, yeah, I've recently dropped off a little bit, uh, but um, one of the top favorite games of all time is uh, definitely uh, Half-Life Portal. Um, really into the... Uh, I don't know what, what what the category for um, SimCity, Rollercoaster Tycoon, and all those games that where you just build stuff. Um, I'm sure it's called the category uh, Flight Simulator. I was huge into Microsoft Flight Simulator. Uh, still am. Uh, still have it. I play it from time to time. Uh, love that game. Um, and then casual stuff like I have play a little bit of, of racing games. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. But I was huge into StarCraft back in the day. Not anymore. Mm. And also Diablo. Diablo. Oh, Diablo yeah. was one of my favorites. Played it all the time. The hours of my life I've lost to that game. It's <laughs> really, it's really shameful, but awesome at the same time. Yeah. That's my background in games. So I'm going to reveal a little bit of history about myself. Uh, I I worked at a, a very popular uh, video game retailer for nine years. EB Games? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, <laughs> so GameStop, I actually never worked there while they were EB Games. And my boss was an EB Games transplant after the, uh, the merger. But I was GameStop through and through. Um, I was a manager for a few years at the end, and one of the perks of working there is they would give you free games. So I never played – I don't play any computer – anything on a computer, anything on a PC at all. It's all Xbox One and PlayStation 4 or 360 and PS3 before it. Um, it I'm more like Irvin where I've fallen off a little bit. Uh, that job started to wear on me a little bit. Uh, so being around video games every single day made me want to play them less when I got home. Uh, so I basically had a, a Madden online league with friends, and I would play Halo on occasion with some other friends, and that was about it. Uh, but if you name any major release that came out for like the last two years, like 
I guess December of 2016 through two years prior, I have it. Uh, I have it and most likely didn't pay for it. <laughs> so, oh man, that's uh, yeah, a drag. You, guys, you guys should all be jealous of me, but um, so but most of them so. I haven't. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Have we not talked about that? Have we talked about that? I don't know. I don't think so. I I worked there for a summer. It wasn't anything long or something like that's that. That's all right. I I, uh, I, just, I figured I'd let that. To while you're still on topic, I figured I'd let that out there also. What if um, you managed him and you didn't even remember? <laughs> <laughs> he does though. I remember that beard. <laughs> I could never forget that beard. Um. So uh, mainly I play I, I played sports games a lot throughout the years. I've always dabbled in other things. Uh, my son plays Minecraft. Oh, by the way, other thing about me, I have a 10-year-old son, um, and I'm not that old. So <laughs> uh, um, my son plays Minecraft a lot, loves it. Uh, he started his own YouTube channel. He doesn't keep up with it a ton, but he started one, and he, he loves playing Minecraft. Me and him play Rocket League. Me and Jeff played Rocket League a couple times, which was nice. I was terrible, but it was still really, really fun. You were great. Thanks, man. You're always so positive. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, the game I've been playing the most recently is MLB The Show. I'm a huge, huge baseball fan, huge baseball nerd, and a video game fan. So, you know, it's the best of both, all, best of all three worlds. And I honest to God think it's one of the most well-done video games ever created. Uh, year in and year out, they just add details that you wouldn't even expect from sports games. Like knowing that Madden and NBA are two of the biggest games out there. NBA advances pretty good every year. Madden has struggled to really advance every year. And MLB, like just such minor things are improved every single year that because the game is already so well done and they're not doing overhauls like other sports games, even those minor things are able to stick out to you and be like, well, that's a huge improvement, even though it wasn't needed all, uh, based on a previous year's release. So that's why it's one of my favorites. Very nice. And uh, Brian, did you want to talk about your favorite games or not play or? <laughs> no, I, I did. I uh, actually, I was kind of a PC gamer from like way back in the 90s. One of my uh, earliest gaming memories was 1996. I think my lo my youngest brother was just born and I was super excited because my dad brought home his work uh, laptop and it was like one of those big old NEC bricks. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Had battle tanks on it and Formula One, man. I mean, I was like, I was going to town with that stuff. <laughs> and then uh, from there, I think when we got my, my family got their first PC. It was all Roller Coaster Tycoon. That was like the big, you know, jump into video games for me. And uh, <laughs> I, not that I didn't play Super Nintendo and stuff at neighbors' houses, all that stuff over the years growing up, but that was my real kick into PC gaming. And um, then we had LucasArts, man. LucasArts took me all the way through. It was like elementary school, middle school. Had the TIE Fighter X-Wing games. You had the pod racing. You had, I mean, they, they had Rogue One for the, X, the N64. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Those are classics. Nice LucasArts, LucasArts. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, sir. And, um... <laughs> um was, not to interrupt you, but I was going to say, I, I was a part of like the early PC gaming. The big game that I was into was Empire Earth for the, the PC. That I game that was awesome. But not to, and not to interrupt you, I just wanted to say that I had, there was some dabbling in early PC gaming, like the early 2000s and late 90s. Absolutely. Doom, Get the throwbacks. Stuff. Yeah, dude. Definitely. <laughs> Um, I think like around high school, I got into uh, the battlefields and and the total war games and stuff like that. I used to love the battle strategy games and and console wise, I was into Madden. I was into NFL Blitz. I love that game. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Yes, it's a guilty Blitz. pleasure. <laughs> right. I think I still got the cheat codes memorized. <laughs> <laughs> 
the big head and the, the you know, all that stuff, <laughs> the silver football. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I stay. I stuck with FIFA and, and Halo. Halo all the way through. Loved Halo. Um, uh, and sticking with PC, I, I you know, I, I've moved into Rocket League and and I did the Elder Scrolls. I, I do agree with Slavin that Oblivion was probably my favorite. I, you had Patrick Stewart's voice in there. You had the soundtrack that was epic. I'm sorry, it was it's <laughs> exactly my feeling. That game. Um, <laughs> Um, let's see. Like uh, lately, I've been more of a casual gamer. I must admit, I'm 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 a big film guy, so I, I watch a lot more movies and TV lately than I have been on PC games. So, um, but I do. I have, I try a little bit of PUBG. I, I've done a decent amount of Rocket League, Grand Theft Auto Five, online. Um, I don't know. You name it. I've, I've probably tried it. I might not be a, like a huge, you know, into it, but I've probably tried it over the course of the last fifteen or so years. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's uh, most of my gaming experience, I think. Very Before nice. we move on, I have to say something, and I think all of you are going to hate me for it, but I have to say it. Uh, not that into Elder Scrolls, not going to lie. <laughs> um, it's not for everybody. My heart. I played Morrowind on original Xbox, and I got lost and was like, oh, I hate this crap. And uh, But was told, you have to play Oblivion. It's like the best game out at that time. Played it. I liked it in the beginning. So at the time, I was like really where everybody else started to expand into like, I want to be able to to do what I want to do in a, in a video game. I was still in the mode of like, tell me what to do or I don't care. Mm. And, um, but I started to enjoy oblivion and then I accidentally killed someone and then it auto saved right after. So I was stuck in a town where everybody wanted to murder me and I couldn't get out of this one building where I accidentally killed somebody. So I gave up on that too. And then I never tried Skyrim. So <laughs> good. Good. You shouldn't be able to take it back. I think there's like, <laughs> <laughs> I spent enough hours like in the market district of like the biggest city in that game, and I would just drop weapons and just have like the townspeople just fight me, and they would all pick up like these crazy powerful weapons and like nice. chase me around the whole town. But oh man, yeah, we could we could totally make an episode or even like an entire new podcast off of just like video games alone. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, would you guys feel like a retro game Twitch cast? That I was just cool. gonna say the same thing. It'd be awesome to like stream us playing some old school game all together or something. I'd be super into that. I'd be down yeah. for that. Get some Mario Kart in or anything like that. I'm so down. That'll be uh, on a later yeah. show. Yeah, even <laughs> some like t- four player to five player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff like that. Hit the rainbow imagination. <laughs> to, to, to be continued, listeners. Yeah, to be continued. Um, but yeah, we can if you guys wanted to, we can go into a, like a couple of quick stories. There was just two things I thought that was worth talking about. But yeah, um, let's do it. All right. We could we could jump into the breach if you want to lead that off. Yeah, that was the the first one that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, so um, one pass is that what it's called? One password. Um, one login. So, one, one login. One login. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, had, I didn't have the notes directly in front of me, but they were recently breached and. Apparently, it wasn't only a data dump, but they were able to decrypt all the passwords. So, um, I know I use LastPass, and I know Urban also uses LastPass, but um, what do the people who don't use the LastPass managers, what do you guys think about kind of having this central location with which to store your online passwords that are potentially vulnerable to these types of data breaches? What do you guys think about that? I, I, I don't like storing my, my password online. Like I'll 
I'll write it on a notepad or I'll, I'll write it on notes on my phone, but not have it connected to to iCloud or anything like that. Um, just because stuff like that can happen. Not that I have anything super important or that you want to steal my identity necessarily, but um, I, I feel like if if I care about it enough to have a password on it, then then I don't want anybody else to have it. And I think having a place where not I would imagine it's not just yourself, multiple people, thousands of thousands of people are are keeping their their passwords safe on a certain system like this. Data, data breach could could affect so many people at one time. Um, it, I I feel like it's just it's just safer to write it down and remember it. It's it's it, it can't be that hard to remember it. I've done it since I was a kid. You see, I'm, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Well, it's Jeff, but oh, I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement with you, Kyle. Um, I just, I, I guess, force myself to commit my, you know, various passwords to memory, and I do change my password when I'm, you know, supposed to. Uh, so it does get difficult to not type in old ones sometimes. But um, I, I've never been a huge fan of services like uh, One Login, just for this reason. I mean, I know. Nine times out of ten, there's not going to be a problem. But um, when you see things like iCloud getting breached and other similar services, um, it's I just don't trust it to store all of my authentication in one point. It's just like creating the opportunity for this giant flood to come, uh, you know, where all of your information is taken out. Also, I was the victim of the uh, government hack not a few years ago, so all of my PII is out floating in Asia somewhere. Um, so it's a little sensitive of a topic for me. So I like to keep uh, personally secure without taking the risk of having a centralized password uh, service. Right. Yeah. And it, it just it just leaves you with like a one point, uh, point of failure, which is always risky. Because if that place gets hacked, you, they get every single password that you ever have. Um, so it's, it's dangerous, but, um, the thing with security is, is that you get a balance convenience with security. Um, and the way that quote unquote, you're supposed to do it right. Um, is having a different password for every single, uh, service that you use. So I don't know how good you guys in memory is, but mine isn't that good that I can remember a different password for every single service that I use. So that's that's my that's my justification for keeping keep to keep using a service like this. Um not one not this one particularly. <laughs> I'm I'm sure their customer base, which is mainly businesses actually, uh in this case, it was ma mainly an enterprise uh thing. So a lot of enterprises were affected. I don't know. Uh, but uh, LastPass uh, is is more consumer based, uh, I think, and I I have faith <laughs> in their security. Uh, we'll see if that faith gets broken, but uh, I'm gonna keep trusting him, um, just because I'm so used to it, to using by, using it by now, and I have no idea what any of my passwords is for anything. So I can't without LastPass, I'm lost. I can't log into anything. Now, to be fair, I, I did say that how can you not remember stuff, but almost all my passwords are identical, so <laughs> I'm not remembering that many different things. So. I actually used to, um, before I used LastPass, the way that I would do it is, like, I'd have the one 
long that's like hard to really remember or say in any one way and then I would like append like the name of the website or something at the end of it so it'd be some like really weird alphanumeric string and then I would have the websites on it but with LastPass I'm just like oh okay give me like a 64 character alphanumeric with special characters like just string that nobody could ever guess ever and um unless the website doesn't know how to handle that long because I've had yeah. that problem it's like oh, you can't enter any uh, password longer than eight characters. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, which is not secure at all. Or it's no. like, oh, it needs to conform this this random thing. But um, I, I used to use that, and then I saw LastPass, and um, I know recently they've been the victim of a lot of kind of security breaches, and people have been really testing their systems. But um, I actually had two LastPass accounts at one point. I actually lost the login for it, and... Um, <laughs> basically like I just forgot the master password and uh, I was like oh how do I I was like oh how do I recover this password and LastPass was like well that's the thing that's how you decrypt the vault so we don't have that so you need LastPass for your LastPass <laughs> so the fact that like the fact that there's just no way to get your account back unless you don't have that master password kind of assured me that they're not encrypting anything on their end or they're not storing that password in any kind of recoverable way to get into my account so that kind of gave me a little bit of it kind of put me a little bit of it at ease but that was only after i had gotten over losing like 30 passwords or something like that but um it put me at ease and i, I actually am on the opposite side as you jeff i'm comfortable with a password manager storing my passwords um one because it's just easier for me to remember one really long password that's the master password or have it written down somewhere um then it is to have one password that's slightly modified in every way for each website or just even in some cases identical so it's kind of a, a different approach but um i and the reason why i haven't used anything else i, I was going to use like there's there's LastPass, there's one login there's key pass there's a few of them but LastPass has been so heavily vetted by third-party audits and by um, just people um, such as the person who I was trying to think of a couple episodes back was Tavis Ordmundy, I think his name was. He was the one who was doing a lot of heavy testing um, on the LastPass systems. So I'm actually, I'm perfectly fine with having LastPass store it and especially that it's a, a lot of people could look at it as, oh, they've been breached multiple times, but they've just been tested because they fixed it within usually like an hour or two hours of the breach happening or of the bug being uncovered. But they've never, in the case of LastPass, they've never actually had a full data breach where someone has been able to decrypt somebody else's vault without actually having their master password. So It's, it's mainly been like uh, phishing attacks. Mm -hmm. And they're like where they fake the dialogue where you log into like LastPass and then that some people like get fooled into typing in their last pass, like your big last pass password that unlocks everything. And then mm -hmm. um, it's been mainly things like that. But direct access, I don't think, has ever been done to the database that stores yeah. um, that information. Uh, but even if they did, if someone got access to it, uh, they wouldn't be able to hack it because of the reason that Matt got his account lost because. They don't have access to it. They can't unlock it. You have the key, and they don't have it. 
uh, the issue with this one hack that happened with this uh, company, one login, is they're being very vague about how they're saying this. But in this, in their initial announcement of this attack, they said that uh, they gain access. They were a, the hackers were able to decrypt the passwords, um, but still not very clear of what, what that actually means. That they actually get access to like raw passwords or like really haven't um, been um, any updates and we'll see what they say um, but right and well I'm curious as to um, I, did you did I, I didn't get a chance to check the article did they say that it had been mitigated at the time or was the issue still present um, was it just an exploit that had been fixed? Urban, are you aware of that information? From from what I saw, I, I saw that they provided like a workaround of sorts for how to ah. kind of like re recycle certificates, things of that nature. Okay, cool. That's good. I hadn't had a chance to read too into it. I know that I, I wanted to bring it up because um, Urban was telling me about it earlier. But um, that's good to know that at least for in the case of those enterprise companies, there is a workaround. And I think all of these companies, maybe with the exception of KeePass, because it's a local storage system, um, offer enterprise solutions too. So on the off chance that anybody's listening and knows about and doesn't know about this breach, they, they can switch to LastPass or to another password manager if they must absolutely use one. And the off chance that someone's listening with an enterprise solution. You you heard it first here. <laughs> <laughs> heard it here first, live. Okay. Um, but, yeah, and then um, to kind of uh, pivot a little bit into the one other thing I wanted to discuss, um, I shared a little bit of, an I shared an article earlier from both, there's one from The Verge and there's from a couple other sites, um, the Netflix CEO announcing that he's not participating in the, the quote-unquote fight for net neutrality um, when all these other companies have stepped in. Um, and the way he went about that, it didn't really jive well with me, the way he phrased it. It was this really kind of asinine, offhanded comment that wasn't really necessary, saying like, oh, we are big enough to make all the deals we want, so why would we bother with net neutrality? Which kind of was off-putting, almost. Um, what do you guys think about that? Just Because um, Netflix has been like the poster child for net neutrality in the past. Everybody would go to them and say, oh, Comcast could favor their video streaming services instead of Netflix. And now that they're finally big enough to have some weight in the market, they're kind of they're brushing it off and forgetting, the, forgetting their roots, if you will. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. I'll let you... So, I mean, I, I do find it very disappointing. I mean, like you said, they were kind of like the poster child for it. I, I know I said on previous podcasts, like, I didn't know all net neutrality, but the first time I ever heard it mentioned was in articles talking about Netflix. And, I mean, you want to say you're too big when Amazon is still out there fighting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say you're too big. Amazon's not too big for it. No, they they they're supporting the people who supported them to this point. I mean, it's it's kind of what you're doing. And and I alluded to this with you guys before uh, before the show, but one thing I talked about on a previous podcast when we talked about net neutrality was uh, an idea of what like uh, someone like ESPN does when it comes to cable. 
So if you say you are Comcast Cable, to be allowed for any of your packages to have ESPN, you have to pay ESPN a huge fee, and it's based on the total number of people you have who have Comcast, regardless of whether they have the package that has ESPN or not. So even if, Ryan, if you are a Comcast customer and you don't have a package that has ESPN, ESPN is still reflected in your price because they had to pay more just to have access to ESPN. If net neutrality doesn't happen, you don't think Netflix could do a similar thing? I mean, everybody uses it. Netflix is a giant. They're not all the all of a sudden going to die. Could they die? You know, if they keep making mistakes, sure. But I think when you when you treat the people who are the reason you are where you are right now the way you did with that statement, it, it, it sets a dangerous precedent. Right, and it, it's like I said, it's it was just. He didn't even need to make the comment. He could have just not said anything and kind of just stepped back and let the other companies do it. Because what he basically had was this defeatist approach on net neutrality. And he was just like, oh, we're just going to give up because it's going to happen anyway. I mean, and like you said, Kyle, Netflix is like the ESPN of video providing services online. They they could be the turning force if they were like, oh, okay any internet company that's going to um, support anti-net neutrality behaviors, we're going to pull our services from your deals, or we're going to pull from this, or at least just just participate and just say, state that they're still aware of net neutrality. And this could even be construed in a way that they're trying to like potentially kill off future competition for themselves, which even in just making the statement is anti-net neutrality in itself. So... I mean, it's just something yeah. I, I wanted to bring up because I, I just thought it was pretty pretty scummy of Netflix to say that because they didn't need I to I agree. Uh, yeah, exactly. To me, it screams they did some kind of backdoor deal with the ISPs. Yeah. It's slap in the face. It's like, really? I, I just lost so much face for you, Netflix. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there is all kinds of comments of people unsubscribing from the service and saying they weren't it was basically kind of like the, the drop Uber movement. It was just people saying that they were done with it. And that was that's it. A, that's surprising to me because I thought maybe it was a move where they're like, well, who's going to go without Netflix at this point? Like, come on, Netflix and chill. Like, everyone says that even if you hate it. So, like, I, I, I thought maybe it was kind of a strategy. And I don't, I might be reading in this way too much. I do that a lot of the time. But, like, with companies like Facebook, um, you see smaller startups coming out with these awesome ideas, but they don't have anything near the back end or popularity that you have. So you kind of eat them up, uh, and that requires a buyout in this scenario. I mean, if, if Netflix is so large that, you know, they, they have the upper hand in regards to a lack of net neutrality where they have an advantage over anyone else who would try and provide a similar service, you have to come out of the gates with something Netflix doesn't have. And if you can't tread water with something like this in place, you know, you, you can't afford whatever it costs to have that foot foothold, then any idea you come out with is probably just going to get beaten up immediately and you're going to have no play either way. I don't know. That's a, a, a pretty, um, it'd be a pretty dark approach, but I mean, it's a dog eat dog world. So that's kind of my take on it. Right. And, 
Uh, I know we've we've beaten the dog pretty much dead with this Netflix with the net neutrality thing, but this is just one more thing that I think that if um, if Netflix were to throw their hat back into the ring and make a difference, we could probably even see a different outcome. Not maybe not from the legislative perspective, but at least from the the money side of things, which arguably you could see more rapid change that way. And, like, to quote what Kyle said, you have Amazon fighting this, and they're by no means a small company. And then to add to that, you have Google and Apple, who have also stated that they're in favor of net neutrality. So it's just it's just something that is important to a lot of companies. And to see such a big player and such a big victim in its early stages of anti-net neutrality behaviors, it's... It's just something that didn't... It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And just something I wanted to make people aware of. That they have, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I, I think the big fish is Amazon. I think it, it's going to... The, the final battle will be whether Amazon caves or not. Because um, Netflix is a little egotistical to say, oh, well, we're the biggest guys in the, in, you know, in the ocean right now because... I don't know if many people are aware, but the, the XBMC platforms, there are other media streaming platforms that are supported by Amazon's servers. So this, you know, and Amazon has their own streaming marketplace. So, I mean, Netflix isn't alone in this. So they can say, oh, yeah, we're big enough. It just, to me, it screams, like I said, like backdoor deal with the ISPs. So now, they, now the ISP has a bigger guy on their side, not the biggest necessarily, but it really comes down to whether Amazon caves or not. My thing yeah. with situations like this have, has always been like, Why? Why would you say it? Even if you have a backdoor deal, even if you don't feel right. like fighting anymore, why say just say nothing? Exactly. I mean, I, I don't know the situation. I don't know why they came out and say it. I don't know if it was during some sort of conference and someone asked them a question. Dance around it. Use what the sports world likes to call coach speak. Don't give them anything. Don't be like, yeah, we hate that. That's a dumb idea. Right. That's stupid. We're big enough. Who cares <laughs> about that? We're awesome. Or you could just say, I know that, that's still something that's important for, for people to fight for. You know, we've supported it in the past, and depending on where our directions go in the future, we, we just have to see how it plays out. I just gave you the speech you should have given instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, just, just don't say anything. Yeah, the coach speak the coach speak makes sense to me, but I think not saying anything. I don't know about that because if you just kind of sit there and it comes to light eventually, which you know news tends to do, I think people are going to be like, oh, you're this evil, sinister service. You know, you're not even going to own up to what you're doing. So you come out like this and people like Netflix already, maybe they're going to win over some consumers who are like, okay, yeah, I'm against net neutrality because Netflix is. It's as simple as that to me. You might be right. Unless it's some secret Netflix plan to get into good graces of Congress and Comcast and Verizon and then just pull the rug out from underneath of them when they get in it's like dude if you, <laughs> if you merge if you merge cable like uh thompson's again if you merge cable and netflix like oh forget about it mm. i don't know like they have you know for comcast xfinity it's web hub you know it's there but like who's gonna go to xfinity before hulu or netflix or even amazon video you know what i mean like yeah it's it's not your primary source unless you've already committed to cable and even then you probably don't use it that much yeah I, I do agree with Ryan as well that Amazon is uh, kind of the cornerstone here. I think they're going to make or break whatever happens. 
I think it, it, the rough part is, is that you are going to have to pay extra for any, you know, if, if, if it goes that direction, you would have to pay extra for any plan that involves Netflix and then probably still have to pay them 10 bucks a month on top. Like that's just, they're just lining yep. their pockets even more for the exact same service. Well, that's nothing what it comes new, down nothing to. different, nothing additional. They just want, hey, how can we pay no more people, do nothing different and make way more money? Free money. Right. Well, yeah. they're not making what cable companies are. So if no. they if, if there's a you know a merger or something like that there they're gonna get way more money from the cable company yeah. than they're but, gonna ever get from what they're doing now. And if anti-net neutrality laws play into their favor, since they can make any deal they want, then maybe they will become as big as cable. Maybe they'll they're gonna try to set themselves up to be the next cable, the next main provider of television. So hey, YouTube's trying it. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's yeah. doing yeah. it. Yeah, and. If anybody can control that market, it's Amazon, Google, uh, Netflix. Netflix is going to survive off of what deals they can make. So it, it kind of makes sense from a perspective, but that being said, it's such an asinine statement to make, at, at least at this time. Like maybe after the, the policies come out or after um, anything like that happens, but it's just going to make people speculate. So... It's it just, is interesting. It's interesting to have this conversation too, because I just also read an article about how they're dropping a lot of popular shows. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really read into the specifics of why, but I assume it's along the lines of they're basically developing their own shows now, mm-hmm. so they don't have to rely as heavily on major network shows. I think um, Futurama is one of them. Like yeah, it's, the, it's the. I saw a meme of that where it's a professor in his dome raising his fists, and it's your face when you hear that Netflix is dro- dropping Futurama, <laughs> which I can relate to. I love that show. The um, Angry Dome. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news, everyone. Anyway. Oh man, and um, well, with that, thank you for joining us on the first half. That was just a little bit about us going in a little bit more with net neutrality because I know. Everybody can't get enough of that. See you in the next half. Welcome back to Industry 4.0, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. Got Kyle here with Irvin, Jeff, Wayne Ryan, and of course, Matt. Uh, we wanted to get, we got our interest out of the way. We want to get right into the, the WWDC. Uh, start, let's start things off with something that we kind of touched on, or something that's coming that's similar to things we've touched on in previous uh, podcasts. They came. Uh, Apple came out with their own version of the the, the home assistant, the home device, right? Mm-hmm. What do you guys so, think of what they revealed at the at the WWDC? So, um, they're Apple's putting uh, their spin on it. So I think their goal is to get it in people's homes, and the 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 thing that they're focusing on is not the smart home features. It's not 
uh, you can control your lights, you can ask it questions. That's not what they're focusing on. Of course, they can do all that, yes. But they what they're focusing on, and the, and the name sort of reflects that, is uh, music. So it's called a HomePod, based on iPod and AirPod and everything pod. Um, so they really want to get uh, people to focus on music with it. So it's tied into Apple Music. As far as we know, uh, that's may change because the release date is until December. But as far as we know so far, there's no other streaming options like any of on these other uh, devices like the Google Home where you can select different streaming options. So they're really uh, trying to get people to use Apple Music and get that into the living room. And once uh, people are are familiar with that they're they like the listening then they're hoping i in my opinion just to get uh that device into the home and then get them to be more comfortable with uh putting in more home automation because uh to be honest like most people don't have that at the moment it's just enthusiasts at this point so i think getting that into the home uh, with the music focus, because everybody likes a nice speaker in their house, in their living room, where they can just jam out and, and listen to good quality music throughout the house, is I think is a great way to get like throw the, sort of like a Trojan horse into the into the house to get people comfortable with it, and then uh, they'll get used to asking it questions, getting commute options, so like what's my commute, getting the news updates. And then eventually controlling the home by expanding their uh, smart uh, devices that they have in the house. So I think it's a really smart way of going about it. Uh, it is a higher cost than everything else is out there. 350 uh, bones. Yeah, $350. Uh, so we'll have to see what the if, if the audio quality is worth that. Uh, we'll see what it offers. From what I've read all throughout, like, really is uh, a, a great sounding speaker it's it's up at sonos level so sonos is one of the best in this type of category of wireless speakers and, and multiple speaker systems in your house so we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, i think a lot of people are willing to pay that apple tax uh that extra premium for uh, this type of device you get people who just buy them outright anyway just because it's got an apple logo on it that's right. just that's how that's how just how things work at Apple. You yeah. get some people who just do that with the brand loyalty. But um, you were saying that you hope it's going to come in with like the Sonos quality audio, and mm -hmm. with a, a seven tweeter array and a four inch woofer, that's like that's some pretty serious stuff for just a little home speaker. Right. So um, I know a lot of the the Google Home and the uh, the Echo Dot. And the Amazon Echo on its own rely heavily on being able to connect to speakers in the home. But this can not only do that, but it'll, it has some pretty serious hardware of its own. So this could even be the good starting point for, I don't know, maybe future Apple hardware going down the line. Like, I, when they said that they were kind of integrating speakers into the HomeKit and uh, putting all this stuff, putting all their stocks into improving on their music, I honestly expected them to announce they were buying Sonos. I really, because they, they sell them in the stores, and they, everybody I know who is very heavily invested in the Apple environment, um, also has considered it at one point integrating Sonos into the environment because of how well it plays in. 
So I, I fully expected them to buy Sonos. So that being said, um, I think that they have a good entry into the market, but it's really going back on the assistant end. It's going to really depend on how good Siri is. They didn't really demo Siri at all. They just showed the, the new fluff that they've put into Siri and like context based responses, kind of how the assistant has it, um, be able to consider context within images and photos, being able to, um, just kind of sound more human and conversational in its responses. So I'm, I'm really kind of, I need to see how Siri is going to work before I see how the hardware works. And they didn't, they didn't, I don't think they demoed either one of these pieces of hardware. They just mm-hmm. showed, they just showed the box or as I made it's the marshmallow is what it looks like. <laughs> um, it, it's just this like little fat marshmallow. And, um, they showed that, and they just showed what Siri sounds like. So, it's really going to depend, and I feel like you can't say a whole lot more about it until the reviews come out in December when they announce it. Well, that's definitely right. I think it's going to, you know, be something you have to wait on a little bit, especially when it comes to, um, you know, the assistant services you brought up. But I did want to touch just shortly on Urban bringing up the concept of Apple Music. Uh you know, they're, it seems like they're catering this specifically to Apple Music at the moment. And um, some cool features they added, you know, I feel like this is kind of kind of like a, a get-together house party sort of uh, device. I think it's going to be good for that purpose for the time being. Um, they're adding features that services like Spotify have where you can see what music your friends are playing on Apple Music. Uh, you can, you know, keep track of that. And also they're adding sort of like this up next playlist feature for social gatherings, it seems, where you can have a, a collaborative playlist where you can see what's coming up and your friends can be linked to this so they can also add songs to come up next for like a playlist at a get-together or party or what have you. Yeah, they're going all in on their ecosystem. Everything Apple Music. I'm, and like you said, I'm fairly certain the Home Hub only is exclusively working with Apple Music, and I think that's just how it's going to be right. the, whole, the whole way through. Maybe they'll add Bluetooth connectivity later, maybe not, but um, that's they didn't give any indication on caring at all about any other music streaming service. So, But, um, yeah, WWDC is, was a... I thought it was a really well-done event for a company that's kind of been struggling with innovation over the last few years since they've lost Steve Jobs. And I don't want to say that's just because they lost Steve Jobs. They have plenty of talent at Apple. But um, he, you, you definitely noticed it as an impact on, on Apple's product lines. And you said you have a 4S, right, Kyle? I think that's the... I had a 4S. I had, had a 6S now. Oh, okay. I, was, I think that's I actually the... said I had a 5S, but I really oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> I said the 4S was the last iPhone that Steve Jobs, I think, had a hand in. So, but that's unrelated from the point. But, um, yeah, it's it it's definitely been noticed. And the, the way that they approached this WWDC was just 100% stock into health and fitness and into um, improving their internal hardware, keeping up to date and kind of showing that they do care about the development community, which has a bit of a different taste than the consumer end of it. And um, going off of, of that a little bit, 
the health and fitness aspect. Um, did you guys get a chance to check out some of the Apple Watch um, updates? There weren't many, so it's it can be... It's just a small little thing they announced at the very beginning. They're adding some new watch faces. They have Toy Story now. Like, they had the famous Mickey Mouse watch face. Now you can get, like, Buzz Lightyear and, and Woody and um, on your watch face. And then the cooler thing that they implemented, not to say that Toy Story isn't cool at all, but the cooler thing they implemented was they're adding in the ability to track different workouts. And they're... Um, they added in, since it's waterproof, now you can track swimming and other activities that are involved movement that isn't necessarily running or cycling or any of the traditional um, step tracking. So it'll kind of, you swim, and then when you stop at the end, it'll automatically log that as a lap, which is kind of cool. And they even announced um, on the watch that certain gym equipment going forward will be featuring little NFC chips for the Apple Watch. And you'll be able to um, just tap the Apple Watch on the gym equipment, and it'll have um, back-and-forth communication between the watch and the gym equipment. So it'll send things like the heart rate and um, the the pace that it's detecting your steps at to the gym equipment, and the, the equipment will monitor how many miles you've run, your elevation, incline, etc. So... That's really cool, and I know uh, we were talking about it a little bit before the show on the break, uh, Jeff, but it, it really opens up the door with NFC for Apple, and it's cool to see where they're going, and they're finally adopting it for something more than just making mobile payments. Well, I, I like um, the concept you raised about with the uh, connection to workout equipment, because uh, while I'm not an a avid gym member, at least currently... Um, I wish I was. And also, uh, one one thing I found in the past is kind of if if you're a weight if you're into with lifting weights or um, you know trying to progress beyond a certain threshold with your workout, it's kind of annoying to have to record what weights you're doing on what exercises each day. If you could just do something where maybe they had a sensor can tell how much weights on the the workout device you're using go up, tap your watch to it. Okay. You're doing, you know, 150 pounds on this. Uh, you did this many repetitions and then you just have that logged, you know, you don't have to take the time to write it. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. personally. And, yeah. um, you know, in general, um, iOS is, seems to be embracing NFC a little more than in the past. At least it seems they have the potential to, um, currently, you know, it's mainly for things like Apple Pay for transactions and, you know, Passbook for your check-ins or your 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 tickets to shows or events. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for that to branch out a little further. Um, yeah. They're opening it to developers, so they open up an API in iOS 11 for developers to access the NFC chip. Uh, so we'll see what developers do with it. I know that uh, they're definitely not going to allow any other payment uh, <laughs> options on there except Apple Pay. So that's got to be the only thing that you're going to use uh, the payment for is Apple Pay. But other than that, there's a lot of options to uh, see what NFC can do. And it's been out on Android forever. Uh, but uh, as we all know, when whenever Apple does something, 
uh, it, it catches on fairly quickly because of the large user base uh, that they have. So hopefully that uh, increases the amount of places that you start seeing NFC, and that also helps out the Android users as well because this is a standard technology that they can just read as well on, on the Android end. Yeah, Android's had NFC for a while. Yeah. What's, what's good about this, in my opinion, we kind of also touched on this during break, is you know, the the competition that's instilled ultimately winds up with uh, more features for the end user. Yep. So, you know, we, we discussed things like, um, you know, using the NSC, which is near field communication, if anyone's unaware. So it's basically this little chip in your phone where if you bring it close enough to something, it can interact with something that's capable of interacting with it. So if you if you bring your phone that has NFC enabled and bring it close to a Bluetooth speaker that also has it enabled, then you could pair the two just like that, bring it that close to it. As opposed to, you know, in iOS, okay, you open up, you open Bluetooth, you go into settings, you pick the device you want to connect to, and then you wait for it to connect. No, now you just bring your phone next to that that's ready to receive, and there you go, they're I connected. Had a, I had a pair of wireless headphones that you can... Uh connect with nfc and th that was so nice well yeah i i know i mean that's that's something android can do that apple's yet to demonstrate so I'd like to <laughs> yeah i'd like to see how beats kind of integrates with that or if they can also take their w chip from last year the one that is used in the airpods for like instant connectivity and see if they can kind of extend the use of nfc in terms of utilizing that chip also making it maybe even more powerful than what android has so um, it's exciting to see where they're going with uh, NFC. And like Irvin said, where Apple goes, people follow. So, to quote... I, think, uh, I feel like it's exciting to see Apple focusing on the fitness aspect. I mean, I know a lot of uh, devices out there, they also focus on fitness. But when you include NFC, I see possibilities. I see you can use it as an EKG, possibly. I see it something as evolving into like a Star Trek tricorder that will monitor your health at all times not just fitness like in terms of fitness i i, I like an always monitoring health mo um, heart rate monitor and maybe a body fat caliper if, if we get that advanced but that's that kind of tops it out in terms of fitness for me i want to i want something that'll it'll measure the mechanics of my body so i'm always healthy it'll be able to tell me if i have a virus it'll be able to tell me if i'm diabetic something like that what, what my blood sugar is in the future and i feel like this is kind of the first step towards that if you're getting people comfortable with maybe you know just having these wireless chips communicating with your your device in terms of health and maybe if you start strapping with somebody it could also have bad implications but this is kind of the first step towards that and i think apple even sees that too because um there were rumors going around i think these were even made by tim cook himself he was apparently field testing an apple watch that was enabling um it's uh, i forget the name of the term it's like a penetration free um blood test a blood sugar test for like diabetics i did hear about that yeah and yep. i remember hearing about that too yeah it's um and if that if they can that's like the holy grail of <laughs> of like diabetic testing equipment like non-invasive and um not having to prick your finger every time you want to get your blood yeah. sugar tested if they can nail that and corner <laughs> that market that could be like the next yeah. big thing with apple right them. Just think, like, every single diabetic in America will get that watch immediately and, and keep monitoring their blood glucose levels at all times, 24-7. Mm -hmm. And and perhaps later on, send that data live to their doctor, too, so they can, anytime they have a spike or they see something 
they can get notified and things like that. It's a huge market, huge potential there, and yeah. I think uh, they are working at it. I they might it might be like a fall release. They're waiting or they haven't perfected it yet. That's why perhaps they didn't announce any new Apple Watch hardware uh, yet. But I think it's either coming later this year, early next year. Uh, we should see something coming out on that side. And if it works well, it works the way that they expect it to. I mean, that's that's only going to be encouragement for more people to start going into the health realm instead of just fitness in general or entertainment or look or style or anything like that. And, right. I mean, that can only benefit more people the, the further into that realm we go. That would even tease me into the realm of iOS. Um, having that kind of a <laughs> consistent way to track what I'm eating – um, like, because Tim Cook was saying that he, it, it even made him eat a little more healthy because he would notice that when he would eat something, his blood sugar would spike and it would alert him on it. And he would be like, oh, I got to stay away from that. That's not healthy for me. And he said that he noticed his health was improving and he was kind of making more health conscious decisions, having like a constant measure of his blood sugar. So yeah. the, the, the possibilities are endless and yeah. I think that untapped. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, and um, to quote Tim Cook on in the developer conference, he's taking all these uh, new this new hardware and software enhancement they're bringing to Apple, and he's hoping that with the new iOS, software developers have the opportunity to turn it up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And, and like that, the whole conference was just full of those those dad jokes. Yep. Like um, the announcement. <laughs> That's my favorite of, kind of joke. <laughs> yeah, the WW Dad Conference. It's just full of. It was some of these jokes were the most dadical jokes I've ever heard. <laughs> like uh, the dude. the announcement of um, OSX High Sierra. Um, there were definitely more than a few uh, weed references made. <laughs> on stage um they did and, that last year too yeah because uh, the when they were suggesting like the or no, was it wasn't last year maybe uh when they originally moved away from the cat names mm -hmm. they were looking they announced that they're going to name it off of places in california uh being landmarks and they were going through like different options and and at weed, weed california is actually a town inside of california and that was See, a joke that they were going to do uh, See what parts uh, you, you you remembered very well, Irvin. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they also said that the OS was quote fully baked, so they, <laughs> nice. they there was no slowing down on the jokes, but um, it still doesn't take away um, the benefits of um, of OS X High Sierra because they're bringing that new file system to uh, Mac OS, which is going to be cool. I watched um, if it works as good as it was in the implementation. I watched Tim Cook duplicate 30 images on stage, and it happened basically instantaneously. And it might not have been Tim Cook. It might have been Craig Federighi who was uh, talking to that point. Um, Mr. Hair Force One himself. <laughs> um, but you can look up the photos of many of Craig Federighi's hair days. Um, it's legendary <laughs> among Apple fans. But... Um, it it was cool to see the the revelations they're making with the file system, but um, as we were as we had talked about a little bit before the show, um, they're having some trouble with that file system. Apparently, um, the any file that contains or is titled with uh, non Latin 
characters um, is like corrupted by the new file structure. So they have to kind of correct that before they start catering to their Chinese markets and their Indian markets. So um, it's going to be cool though. OSX Sierra. Um, Urban, have you had a chance to kind of look in more of the feature spec with High Sierra or? So I've, I've looked at it at a high level um, and, and like the name suggests, it's, it's a slight change. So it's still based on Sierra, just High Sierra. So they, they do this with the naming convention, try to reflect on the actual changes that are going on in terms of the, the major stuff. And it's really nothing major. It's a refinement to uh, Sierra, but everything that I've seen uh, in the OS level is is great, and more and more refinements uh, to it. Um, they aren't really doing the touch. I know they said, I know there's been a long time, Ruber, just give us a touch MacBook Pro, or uh, but they're really, really focusing on kind of transition that conversation to the iPad and iOS 11 and try to make that a desktop operating system. And you can really see focus on that as they really are moving away, making the desktops and the laptops non-touch and be uh, the the same type of input that we've had, keyboard and mouse, and, and uh, really changing iOS 11 to behave more and more like the desktop, but adjusting it to that touch interface and really uh, modifying it to behave and be more interactive. You can get more done, at least at their pitch. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And I think the Pro iPad Pro devices are really great hardware, and there's so much power in them uh, that they can unlock uh, there. But we'll see uh, what they can do. In come. terms of, because the sales of the, the iPads have been stagnant, mm -hmm. so they have to do something to get them into more businesses, more uh, get people to upgrade them, because people who have iPads are fine with what they have. They, any new ones that are coming out is really not uh, giving them anything extra that they may, that makes them go out and buy a brand new iPad for. It does everything that they need already, so they really go have to go into the office uh, setting and, and try to replace the laptop, maybe the executive laptop, or, uh, or, or try to make it more productive so you can actually use it in a work environment, not just for consumption. I know they, they like to talk about consumption, consumption of content, also creation of content. So it's very different for the consumption device. So far, the iPad has been great in consuming. You can watch Netflix, look at websites, uh, look at photos. Uh, but really the creation of content, uh, video production, um, they need to get like Final Cut Pro uh, onto the iPad and also like a full-fledged word editing document. And, and iOS, iOS 11, I think, is moving towards that where you can have split, clean, split, uh, split screens uh, with, like, let's say, Word and, and a web page. You can drag and drop images, drag and drop links do edits on the fly and have multiple windows open and have that type of interface uh, where it, it does, it, it, it's intriguing to me as a, as a laptop replacement, especially the iPad Pro size, because it has that 13 inch size, uh, which is pretty much another uh, perfect laptop size mm -hmm. uh, screen, just to attach a Bluetooth keyboard to it. And you're getting close to a laptop at that point. But yeah, they so, have to make sure that this, uh, 
Uh, they, so they have to just to quickly get a point out. They have to make sure that those uh, software improvements are good across all of their iPads because, like you said, not many people are upgrading. My mom still uses like the third gen iPad. Yeah, and yeah. it's like falling apart. Mm-hmm. So true. And a few things to touch on driving people to you know make the move to the you know uh, an iPad and work with the new OS is. Um, there, there ties in with this files app to uh, cloud-based storage solutions, which I think is huge. Um, mm-hmm. Like Dropbox, Google Drive, Box uh, services like that. You know, now you can not only sync, but you also have probably a, a lot more storage capacity that you don't have to pay as much for, um, which I think is huge. Also, there's um, you know a new method of compression for photos and videos, which is, according to uh, notes taken on the conference, going to uh, vastly improve how much space these photos and videos take. Yeah, Uh, H-E-B-C. Exactly. And um, for my phone, I I think I touched on this in a previous episode, I I don't have a large amount of storage available on my iPhone. Um, That's, I think photos slash videos takes up probably 75% of my storage use. And it's constantly what I have to go back to. I have to delete old photos and videos in order to download new apps, things like that. Um, I think, I think that's going to make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And Um, they're improving the sync too. So like, like you were saying with um, utilizing the cloud a lot more. So I know with messages, they're going to take most of your, your text messages and just kind of automatically clear them from the device and sync them up to the cloud. Now, some people have backlogs of tens of thousands of text messages. I um, just deleted my backlog last week. <laughs> it was taking up like like five gigs on my phone. Yeah, it's a and, lot. Yeah, this one will clear it down to so many days or so many or so much of a period of time uh, in the past. It'll only store those locally and the rest will get moved to the cloud. So you'll be able to access them if you need them but it'll just have to kind of you'll only be able to do it on the cloud sync connection which is fine in most cases and it will save memory on devices right so also uh the the reason this could be a a chosen alternative to a laptop or macbook or what have you is the touch capability which i think is probably one of the biggest things is that Mm -hmm. in OSX, you you don't really have the option for um, you know touchscreen or using the Apple Pen, which is another thing that they've increased support with, mm-hmm. um, according to this conference. So I think that you know if they if they can improve the operating system iOS and you can use these touch capabilities, that really provides uh, alternative to what Microsoft is doing with these surfaces uh, where they're running Windows 10 natively and they're saying, oh yeah, the, the, the PC and the tablet, you know, it's one in the same operating system. No, Apple's going to keep them separate, but if, if you want this kind of utility, it, it can do nearly as much. I think they're trying to make that kind of leap. Yeah, and they're, they're, even, they're even almost competing against um, their older products also, encouraging people to um, transition to these newer mediums. So, like, I think these improvements to the iPad and to touch capability and to productivity on smaller devices is almost 
kind of an inverse relationship with the decline and death of the iPad of the MacBook Air, and there's they're less powerful notebook solutions. So they, I mean, they announced during the keynote that they were going to continue support for the MacBook, but that being said, <laughs> I don't think anything really kind of makes any kind of a difference with um, with keeping that supported if they're going to put all this stock into um, the new tablet software. Like, they're even adding, like, the dock in, for example, to give people kind of a familiar look. You can just kind of stuff apps down with the bottom dock to make it look similar to an OS X appearance. Right. And that's definitely something that I think is a, a nice improvement. Something that was lacking, for sure. But um, kind of to move the conversation forward, they're certainly not uh, ignoring OSX's mediums uh, with the new the new desktop models, all-in-one models coming out for Mac. Uh, I know you were pretty uh, enthusiastic about watching the the live stream, Matt. Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, basically, it's just a refresh of the hardware that they released last year. Um, to go a little bit more in depth, they um, upgraded the MacBook Pros to the Cabby Lake Intel chipset. Um, they made some small improvements to the um, to the SSD storage capabilities and upgraded, just kind of bringing that hardware up to date because when they released the original 2016 MacBook, they were kind of in between Intel chipsets. Um, so it's good to see them kind of refreshing the hardware and and even at that, they're also cutting the price a little bit to kind of make entry into these new MacBooks a little more, a little more lucrative for people looking for a a Mac solution for um, for a more powerful notebook. And the cool in advancements, and it could be misconstrued as cool, or it could be misconstrued as just kind of a stopgap, but until they finally update the Mac Pro, which I think every developer has been calling for the past, what, four years? I think they announced it in 2013, 2014, was when the Mac Pro itself was released. So um, I think they kind of solved that and were like, okay, we need to get something out now to kind of keep people's pitchforks away for another year or two until we can get a, a good Mac Pro replacement into the market. So what they did was they replaced it with the iMac Pro, which is an, which is an all space gray peripherals included, um, super, like, basically like a supercar version of the iMac. And the, it, they're, they're, they're coining it as the most powerful Mac ever made. Which is true I'd, because it gets. Upwards, I'd say so. Yeah, <laughs> it gets upwards of eighteen cores if you buy the most powerful MacBook. Like, like eighteen and a half core or eighteen cores. There's five and a half teraflops flopping all over the place. It's like <laughs> it's there, there's um, so much power behind yeah. that thing. Up, it's, up, yeah, five nice. K display up to one hundred twenty gig, eight gigs of of uh, uh, memory. Up to a four terabyte SSD built into it. Um, it's a ridiculous machine, but I think like it starts at uh, the starting price. The base model is is five thousand dollars. So it's literally five K for a five K screen. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's definitely geared towards the um, 
the pro market and, and like Matt says, I think it is holding people over for now because I know they said that the article came out um, of them admitting that yes, they messed up with the pro market. They left the pro uh, the pro users behind a little bit. I think yeah, this is just holding them over a little bit until they release uh, Mac uh, Pro. Uh, that's it's more upgradable than the current one is, uh, and and I think they, in my opinion, they should go the PC route, have it be open and just have the ability to just pop a GPU in there or make it make it modular so you just have uh, a new CPU comes out and you just pop it in, right? I know, I know that's saying a lot for a company like Apple where they like to lock things in and make things uh, really uh, custom to each system so it's not really open to modification, but I think well, it may they be... They still best. make it modular and proprietary. It's true. They, they, they have that in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to buy that certain upgrade part from Apple... Right, is that what you're saying? And then right, right. still give exists. them the option of having the update, but you have to get the stuff from Apple. You can't just go to Best Buy or, or Newegg and just buy the part and then install it yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah. They've been doing this their whole history. They've they've been a closed system since the Apple Lisa. So, like, since the, the successor to the Apple Lisa. And it's just something that they're, that I think developers are going to be fighting with Apple for generations of hardware going forward something i don't think they're going to budge on but um yeah because you've, you've even seen it in their macbooks the 2012 models you could replace the ram without much effort you could replace the, the hard drive you could replace the battery you could you could do a lot of self-maintenance but in the generations after that they've begun to slowly start soldering these pieces to the board and yeah. making it a lot harder for developers to go in and tune up their own systems. So, like I said, and I and Irvin agrees that it's just to keep the pitchforks at bay for now until they can get the better Mac Pro out. So, it's cool hardware, and don't get me wrong, I'm, like I, I said on, on the break, I'm going to be checking eBay daily for that Space Gray keyboard to show up so I can get <laughs> one for myself, because that is so nice. Yeah. You can't sweet. buy that separately. Mm -hmm. You have to get it with the computer. They only they said it today. I think they released a, a statement saying, "Yep, you can only get those with the uh, the Mac Pro." The and it's wireless. Case. It's wireless. <laughs> they do have the regular white one if you want that. But if you want Space Gray, you need to buy the Mac Pro. <laughs> no, What's Space Gray, man. Come yeah, on, dude. I need my I need my like night theme keyboard. <laughs> But 5K is not worth that to me. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it and then using the power of that MacBook, they also showed their introduction into VR, and AR. So, they partnered with the and I don't know if it's a legitimate hundred percent partnership or if it's just one of the first products that they decided to grab and support because it had the, the biggest development community. But they were they were using the HTC Vive. Along with the new um, the new MacBooks to showcase live editing, 360 video and images, and even working in a VR space, they were in like a Star Warsy um, environment. They for anybody who's seen Episode Three, they were on the planet Mustafar, 
um, kind of on like next to the lava river, and um, the woman who was doing the demo um, used the arm, used the wrist uh, controller to call down an Imperial um, Delta or is it Lambda class transport ship, the big like triangle one. Yeah. And it like would automatically pathfind and find its landing pad and settle in. And she like programmed in TIE fighters flying overhead and um, put Darth Vader next to her and like showed like Darth Vader like walking around and like turning on his lightsaber. And it was a cool demo and it's cool to see that Apple's entering in VR, but I don't think they're gonna they're gonna use this to transition into gaming. I think they're gonna stick mostly on the, the development side. Of virtual um, you reality. mean she didn't she didn't chop off Anakin's legs? <laughs> she had the high Good ground job. though. <laughs> <laughs> she had the high ground. That's the important part. Of course. <laughs> she was the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> but um it's it's gonna it's cool to see that uh, they're finally stepping into virtual reality and to augmented reality. So I don't know. It, it was a cool conference and I'm excited to see that Apple's actually um, like this is this was the first conference that I came out of in maybe two or three years where I was legitimately excited with the, the the path that Apple was taking, and it opens the door for so much more that they can announce later this year when they start to get the hardware down for the home hub and the, the iPhone gets to be announced and they do it all in, inside the new Apple headquarters, the new mothership that they have which I'm convinced is going to take off and fly into space at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that thing? Yeah. The new Apple headquarters? Thing's ridiculous. It's the mothership it and there's like rumors that it can hold up to 15,000 employees. So they're just going to take all their employees and they're just going to fly up to space and then they're going to go make their own planet, their own closed system planet. <laughs> <laughs> the giant glowing apple on it. Yeah. It's just going to start revolving and then taking off and the ground's just gonna have all this dust coming from it <laughs> so it's just, doing just a giant disc <laughs> it is it's cool looking though like, um, it is it is cool looking. and it'll be cool to see conferences from from that point is it and actually then... called the mothership no because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I, uh, I mean just on coincidence i guess the first article i pulled up says a look inside the mothership <laughs> They, it's a, that that's been the I think the official name, uh, unofficial name I meant, uh, gotcha. uh, dubbed by like generals and stuff. I think the I forget what the official Apple Campus is it? Cook's Kitchen something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that's sure. Dumb. I wonder how many jokes have been made about installing Windows in. The, oh, it's Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's what is that? <laughs> yeah. The official name is Apple Park. Apple Park, Apple that's it. Park. Yeah, because the inside nope. of it, like the center area, is like a park that people can go into and check out. And, and because it's parked until it takes off. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then it will be Apple Drive. Like I said, dad jokes are my favorite, so. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm all down for a dadical second half. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, like you were saying, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the few conferences that I was excited about when I looked into it. I mean, I, I was brimming with excitement just by you updating us because you were watching it live 
you updating us through Skype, letting us know what was going on. I was like, oh my god, like this is pretty exciting. But I have a question for all you guys, real quick, if you don't mind. I think it's it's going to be good for the the people who are more general tech fans, like myself. Um, what were the the simplest on the simplest terms of day to day use? What are the big things that should drive someone either to be excited who's already an Apple user or who isn't an Apple user? to be excited about potentially making that switch because like one of the, one of the biggest things like I said I'll ride an old phone out until it dies. I saw no reason to get an iPad because it was just a bigger version of the phone I already had. And one thing that intrigued me uh during your explanation Matt was that you said it's almost they're starting to compete with themselves to kind of break the the norm of this is what we've always been, this is what we're going to be, we're going to stay steadfast in what we've always been and just stick with who likes us. And if you don't, oh well. Well, when they start to compete with themselves, that's really when you start to see innovation happen like we've had with this excitement since the the conference the other day. What are the main reasons someone should be excited if they're already an Apple user or if they're not? Right. So um, if they're already an Apple user, they should look forward to – getting these new software updates that are that's going to both improve the quality of the new devices and even with the in, enhanced compression and the more efficient file storage and the better control of um, of syncing with the cloud, even possibly extending the lives of older devices. So people who are riding out their phones may be able to squeak out another year or so on older hardware. Which that's is, me. Yeah, which is you and my mother and several other people that I know. Whoa, whoa, dude. <laughs> so people you and my think, mom, you loser. Hey, hey, Apple Age is like a fine wine. I've got a laptop that's going on five years now, and it still runs fine. So Yeah, mine's like uh, almost a decade old, so I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, runs, it runs perfectly fine, and it does everything I need it to do right now. But that's the thing that happens. All these old devices get these software updates. They don't drop support for them for an incredibly long period of time. Like you have to go all the way back to like those like power books and those older, um, the older iMacs and like Emacs and all those old, old, old systems before you start losing support. So the fact that they can take all these old devices, as long as the hardware is still functioning and kind of keep them in line with the new updates. It's something that people who are already existing Apple fans can look forward to who have older hardware. And if they have newer hardware, like Apple Watch 2 and the new iPhones, they can look forward to, um, like some of the developers have been calling for this new files storage option for years. And having finally being able to kind of get a file structure inside of your iPhone and be able to kind of use it to store files that you may keep on like a thumb drive or something and use it to kind of sync up with the cloud that way, people see a lot of value in that. And... On top of that, even going all the way back to the beginning of the discussion and the health benefits and the improvements they're making there and the syncing, it's it's something that Apple fans could really. Look yeah, that was a to. huge deal for me too. It's one of the things that I took away, even though like I'm not a, a gym rat per se or I have a membership but don't ever use it. Um, I think the the fact that they're stepping into new realms, like we talked about, the the potential for to constantly monitor your health, I think is really where where I got the most excited about like, okay, maybe it's worth getting an Apple watch instead of the fit, but I have, maybe it's worth upgrading to a newer phone. So it interacts with everything easier. I don't, it's, that's the part that excited me. I just was mm-hmm. more for the general public, which they'd be looking for. And they're still showing they can innovate in their own ways. Like the home hub, it, they didn't need to make a home speaker and they knew that the assistant market was pretty flooded at this time. So what they did was they took it and they purpose built it for music. And 
integrating it into the home because they saw value in having an assistant that can help out with the smart home, but they saw more value in interconnectivity between their products and integrating it into the home kit and the speaker solution and integrating it in with their Apple Music product, which I would think is arguably the biggest driving force behind the development of the speaker, being able to integrate it with Apple Music and being able to share music amongst your friends. So it shows they can still innovate. So there's still there's still a spark at Apple, even though it's been kind of dull for the last few years. And people outside of Apple, it's a little... It's, a, it's still... That wasn't a very simple one-sentence type thing, which I apologize for, but... No, it was, it was more of a quick recap than the full thing mm-hmm. that we gave. Yeah. Uh, the whole half. And the people who don't necessarily buy into Apple's ecosystem can look forward to all of the... Um, all the reverb, if you will, and the stuff that comes with Apple making an innovation or stepping into a new market. So you'll see NFC terminals showing up everywhere. And maybe museums will will have an NFC terminal on their, um, on like their displays to kind of let you get a little more information about the piece. Or Jeff was talking about movie posters that, if you tap it, it could like open up the trailer on YouTube or something, uh, connecting to um, people's home Wi-Fi systems. Like it's it's endless. So having Apple, a company that so many people like to follow suit, you saw how many like all these phone companies now, like the Essential Phone, and um, some of them are dropping the headphone jack just because Apple did it. So seeing Apple make a move, kind of paves the way for the rest of the market to kind of react, and it'll be cool to see how they do that. And maybe it'll maybe they'll accidentally drive Sonos out of business while they do it. <laughs> so hey, if if that had a handle, a wireless charging pad, and was rechargeable itself, I'd be all about that. Just take it room to room. Mm-hmm. That would be cool to have the a couple like docks for the home hub. Is that what you were saying? Exactly. That would be nice. That would be a cool idea, maybe for the second gen, because it yeah, looked like it was it looked like it was wired like the home. Exactly. Yeah, for three hundred fifty bucks. Uh... But if, if they go that route, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, well, the rumors have it the iPhone is going to implement wireless charging. So if they can get a really good protocol down and nail it for the iPhone, then maybe mm-hmm. you'll see that expand into their other existing products. They need one of those since the battery lasts all of 13 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's It's going to be huge. Uh, that's something I've wanted for years now. Yeah. To, to have that's going to be amazing. So mm-hmm. I hope you're right. Yeah. And um, it's... It's exciting. And it, it was a cool conference, and I think it's, it's good that people are, are talking about it, and Apple's finally starting to kind of get looked at in a better light. They've, they've made a few mistakes. They've had a bit of a rocky road, but I think that we can look forward to seeing some cool advancements this year from Apple. So I'm excited. As am I. And... Um, I think, that, I think that covers everything from WWDC. So Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so um, I think if anybody has anything else they'd like to cover about Apple or any last dad jokes before we call it an episode. Oh, I, <laughs> then, I could go on all night, but I'm, I'm just going to call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> then um, I think that's it then. So um, anybody have anything? I know you, 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 you actually we plugged ourselves at the beginning of the episode so i don't think we need to just a little bit yeah just a <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. You know what? Let me let me plug me personally. I plugged my other podcast. I'll plug me personally. I don't I don't have anything cool like photos like Irvin and Thompson, but uh, I just think I'm a kind of an entertaining guy. And you can see the beard on, on my <laughs> multiple social network sites if you go to. I mean, obviously, everybody has Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. It's all the same for me. It's Kyle Fisher forty five. Uh, the numbers four and five not spelled out like our wonderful podcast. Um, and once again, if you check out the wrestling podcast, it's on air with Keenan and Kyle. We have a brand new Twitter page, which I created on Sunday. We also have a Facebook page, and we are on iTunes and Podomatic.com. For this podcast, uh, this is Industry 4.0. You can find us on Facebook and through Podbean at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. That's uh, Podbean or it's Industry 4.0.podbean.com and Facebook.com slash Industry 4.0. You can find us on Twitter, uh, Google Play Music, and iTunes as well. Um, we post all of our new episodes to all of our social media. We're soon to be hopefully on YouTube. Um, aside from that, this has been Episode 5 of Industry 4.0.